we have been looking um, at how to follow the Holy Spirit. Practically. And uh, I started teaching on this two weeks ago. And I want to give you a quick recap. And I'm going to teach. And then we're going to worship Jesus. Is that okay? I hope that worship will result from what we are talking about today. So, a recap. Following the Holy Spirit is very much like the principle of sowing and reaping. Say sowing and reaping. Like a farm, okay? What you put in, you will get out. But there's a very particular way that it happens. It starts with our thinking. Say thinking. And then, so you sow a thought. And you start, what starts to grow is a belief. Say belief. Or a faith. Say faith. And out of your believing something or having faith in something, you begin to feel a certain way. Say feel. Conroy, say feel. I love your voice. And because you feel a certain way, you then start to act a certain way. Earl, say act. Act. And out of our actions, we reap a life and a destiny and everything. The Bible says that one day we will be judged by God for all that we have done. But it all started with what we were thinking. Do you understand that process? So it starts with our thinking. And we saw last time that it's the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us and opens our eyes so that we can see the things of God in a way that we couldn't before. Now, Austin opened the service awesome for us. Thank you, Ozzy. That was awesome. Um, and his wife, Jenna, had an amazing experience in the week. And I asked him, is your wife here? Because I'd like her to share, but she isn't here. And so would you share on her behalf quickly what happened with the Holy Spirit and her reading the Bible and stuff? Could you, do you know what happened? <laughs> this is actually quite funny. I didn't understand what you meant when I saw her post that thing on uh, WhatsApp. And then I waited to get home and I was like, what do you mean? Anyway, um, so Jenna been praying. She's been reading the Word and she's been struggling to really grasp what the Word is saying uh, in her quiet times. So she, she recently prayed and she reached out and she said, Holy Spirit, like, won't you just, because Lucas is last preach, um, won't you open up the Word for me? Won't you show me what you're saying in the Word? And um, she, re- she read, a, 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 I don't know the verse of her heart, um, something about uh, suffering for the, for the sake of the gospel and what that meant. And she, she didn't understand that before. And after you know, praying and asking the Holy Spirit to, to open that up to her, the Holy Spirit opened that up to her and she really understood what it was going to mean and what it was going to be like to suffer for the sake of Christ. And even in the small things, to suffer. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know her revelation, but I know some of it. So there you go. Awesome. So the practical side of that is, we can't read the Bible and understand it naturally. Have you ever started reading the Bible and then stopped reading it? Because it was just like, I'm reading words, I don't understand. You know, they're busy burning stuff on some kind of funny thing and then there's smoke and, and you know, all the people are sharing the fat and waving it around and like... Have you read that in the Old Testament? 
I remember reading that, and then, you know, it's like, oh, I, I don't know about this book. And then I'd pick it up again, and then it started to list people's names that I couldn't pronounce. Without the Holy Spirit opening our eyes, we can't see the truth of God. Even if somebody preaches, we can't understand it. Even Jesus taught, and the people couldn't understand it. It's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes. Hi, Anton and Annalene. Lucky to see you guys. I'm missing you so much. Okay. Anton, come here. <laughs> Quickly, run. This is your, your warm-up. I want you to pray for us, Anton, that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes this morning to see in a new way, that He would open our hearts, that do what only He can do. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for this morning, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you say we should not neglect this gathering of the saints, Lord. And, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come this morning, Lord, that you will speak to us, Lord, that you will be the teacher this morning. I pray, Lord, that as we read the word, Lord, that you will bring it to life to us, Father, and that you will see, plant those seeds in our heart, Lord, and that you will cause it to grow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Anton. I love you, Anton. And so the last time we finished off talking about that thinking box, and we're going to move from the thinking to the believing, from the believing to the feeling, from the feeling to the... We're going to do all of that sometime. I've got it all ready for you. It just depends how much time we have. And we started in that thinking box saying, what should we think about? Do you remember that story of the German lifeguard? He gets, the, he gets the message from, the, you know, help, help, we are sinking, help, we are sinking. And he replies, what are you thinking about? What should we be thinking about? But it's, it's very true because if your life is sinking, what are you thinking about? There's a certain way of thinking that will make your life sinking. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> we need to start by thinking about God. About God Himself. About His characteristics. What is He like? But not just, do you know that God has called us to know more than what He's like? So God, He reveals Himself to us throughout Scripture. From the beginning, we see Him. In the beginning, God created. Everything you see, the book of Romans chapter 1, it says that what is evident about God is obvious to us by what He has made. The God that we have is so huge and vast. Do you know how big He is? They've sent a new telescope into space. It's called the something, something, something Smith telescope. It can see apparently a thousand times further than the Hubble telescope. And the reason why they've sent it up into space, it, it's, it's this massive mirror with, coated with gold leaf. But the gold leaf is 16, I think 16 times thinner than one hair. Okay, I went like this, but I don't have any there. <laughs> It's that, that gold leaf is 16 times thinner than one hair. 
Why? So that it can perfectly reflect any light. And it can pick up not just sunlight or visible light, but also infrared light. And the reason that the scientists are going to such an extent is to try to see further because the observable universe is what we are limited to. How many stars do you think there are in our galaxy? Anybody know? 200 to 400 billion stars in the Milky Way. Michael, you got it. Oh, you were there. How many galaxies do you think there are that we can see at the moment? Hey, Siri. How many galaxies are there? Here's what I found from Zmeshans.com. The universe is estimated to contain anywhere between 200 billion and 2 trillion galaxies. Anywhere between 200 billion and 2 trillion galaxies. That means that there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on the earth. Just think about one beach, and we can't even see the edge of the universe because it's too far away. And the Bible says that our God, he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. <clears throat> and so we have to look and see what is this God like? Because why? Because as I start to understand what God is like, I can then begin to understand how I'm supposed to relate to him. It's not just his size, but the size is an example, and his power. How many of you come to God like Austin did and like, Father, you know, if you can do it, would you please bless us with an apartment with a um, sunset view? You know, and God is sitting amongst the trillions of galaxies. He's like, can you please ask me something a little bit more challenging? And of course, it's not about wealth and prosperity and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we pray to him, we need to understand who it is that we're talking about. You know, when, you, when you're struggling with the devil, you're scared of him. The only reason why you would be scared of the devil is because you don't yet understand God. I remember chatting with my children. And they were like, oh, but daddy, I'm scared. The devil, you know what? I'm being like, how can, I, how can I explain this to you? I said, do you see this ant? Yes, we see the ant. You see dad? Yeah? Now look what dad can do to the ant. Do you understand that the devil only remains in existence because God himself is holding his very breath? There's no fight between God and the enemy. You don't call what I did with the ant a fight. God is incomparably bigger than me in that example. And the enemy is incomparably smaller than the ant. I've started because I started preaching this and the Lord was showing me this. I started and I have for the last two weeks just been spending my whole time in the word just trying to see God. To know him better. To know him more. Can I tell you something that's happened? My life has become 
so peaceful. So peaceful. Because I see everything in the context of him. And the problem comes when we don't realize that he's there. And that he's love. And that he's merciful. And that he's kind. And that he's great. The Bible says that his greatness is beyond comprehension. Do you know? One day, one day, he'll make everything new. And one day, we'll be there with him. And one day, there will be no sun because he will be the light for us. And in that day, when we get to heaven, because we are finite and because he is infinite, Every day of eternity will be another day to experience more of His greatness and glory and splendor and majesty and power and kindness and mercy and grace. Every day for the first thousand trillion years, you won't have touched the beginning of Him. There won't come a time forever and ever that we will ever get to the end of him. Every day, if there's day and night, you'll wake up if we sleep and you'll be like, I just want to see more. And you know what? The Bible says that he is not ashamed to be their God because he has prepared a city for them. I want to just give you a taste. Can I give you a taste? What has this amazing God, and we're going to leave him completely, and his attributes, and his beauty, and his glory, and his kindness, and his mercy, and his, we're going to leave all of that. We're just going to say, what has he told us, what has he pronounced, or decreed, or commanded, or ordained that's going to happen as the king of the universe? What has he said is going to happen with creation? I don't know, how many of you have been impacted by the fact that Russia has invaded Ukraine? Has anyone been impacted by that? Anyone feel anything? Do you feel like it's right or wrong? There's lots of different opinions. Anybody feel a certain level of, I thought that whole thing with all the nuclear and the war and all that stuff was over. That's 80 years old. That was gone. It's never going to happen again. Anybody feeling a little bit concerned? Can I put your heart at ease? Let's look at scripture together. Isaiah chapter 65. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Say happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. Say joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. There's a new earth coming. A new heaven coming. There will be no more pain. No more weeping. No more suffering. No more evil. God is bringing it. Revelation chapter 21. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. No more surfing. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. This is not a Disney fairy tale. It's much more spectacular than that. And it's also true. It's true. All of us who believe in Jesus will be there. Think about the best day of your life, Austin, when you got married, right? That day when you stood there and Jenna arrived in Graham's beautiful dress. It was the most beautiful dress I've ever seen, wedding dress, except for the one my wife was wearing. And it wasn't just Austin who burst into tears. Lots of us, including me, burst into tears as she walked up. Why? And the music was playing and her dad was walking with her and she came to the front and gave her to Austin. And they were there together and they turned and, they, and then they started to worship. And I'm telling you, I just felt God. Like, I'm like, God, what, what is it? And I'm weeping, I'm weeping. And he said, it's coming. It's coming. I am the bridegroom. And you are the bride, and I'm waiting for you. That's why weddings are so beautiful. That's why the presence of God is so thick in a wedding. Because it's a picture of Christ and the church. 2 Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. I'm telling you what happens at the end of the book. It's coming. And this truth about what is going to happen in creation should be our focus every day. In light of what's coming, we should live. Can I tell you? I spent 20 years of my life working as a businessman, building up a real estate investment and development company. And as part of that work, I was a developer I would buy land in a particular place, in a place called Edinburgh in Scotland. I bought up 16 acres in the middle of the city, right by the train station, bordering on the Royal Mile next to the Queen's Palace, and developed there with my company and my team 
a huge thing with five hotels and 200 residential apartments, a big British government building, you know. And I remember building this thing, and it was a huge success, and it was beautiful. And we won the developer of the year in the UK. And we went to the the prize giving, the awards ceremony. This is the pinnacle of a developer if you're there in the UK. The pinnacle of the career. And I remember being there with my my business partner, Malcolm, and we were sitting at the table with our development team and our advisors and lawyers and agents and everybody who had made it a reality with the architects. And they called us onto the stage and they handed me this little trophy thing, right? Made out of plastic with wood base, painted gold. And I received it and everyone went, you know, and I was like, expecting to feel something and I did feel something but it's not what I expected and, and, and I was given the mic and I was like thank you so much and I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you everybody and thank you, thank you and everybody clapped and we went downstairs and we sat at our table and we're sitting there and I'm sitting next to Malcolm my business partner and, and the, the trophy is on the table there and I looked at him and he looked at me I was like is this it? Is this it? Is this what we've been working for? This plastic trophy and the applause of all these people who are just jealous and don't really care about us is this it get a realization please as quickly as you can anything you're working for that isn't the new heavens and the new earth with god is nonsense it's rubbish the apostle paul says i consider all of these gains and successes to be like Dung, horse poo, compared to knowing him. Why? In light of eternity, what does all of this mean? In light of the coming world, with God at the center, himself, every other ambition and goal and target is nothing. How's your business going How's your, how's your accommodation like? Are you struggling? It's very short. It's very short. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. What has God said about you? Never mind creation and the new heavens and the new earth. What has he said about your body? Anybody like me wake up with pain? I have to start off the day something like this. Otherwise, I can't walk to the bathroom. Muscle pain. It's all Krieger's fault. <laughs> Listen to this. Philippians chapter 3. For I have told you often before, and say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct show that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's saying, I'm writing to you with tears in my eyes about people who think only about this life. Why? But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power 
with which he will bring everything under his control. He's going to take your weak mortal body and he's going to change it to become glorious like his. Let's look at what his is like. 1 John chapter 3. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. And all of us who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Matthew chapter 17, that that scripture there, it says we don't know yet exactly what it's going to be like, our bodies. But what we do know is we will be like him. Okay, let's look what he's like. Matthew chapter 17. Verse 1, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Jesus was transfigured and we will be like him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. Now, I don't know if there's going to be a sea in heaven. I hope there will, because I'm going to have a glorious, strong body that is going to be flexible, It's going to have no issues with the ankles or with the hip flexors. And I'm going to be able to get low on the board and go through those glassy barrels like Gavin can. I'm excited. I'm excited. And when I wake up in the morning and I can't see because I don't have my glasses on or my contact lenses in, I'm like, when I wake up in heaven, I'm going to look and I'm going to see and I'm going to be able to see. Perfectly, with my strong, glorious eyes. Without knowing what is coming for creation, without knowing what is coming for you, how can you have any hope or joy in this world? How can you look forward to it if you don't know what it is? The whole book of Ephesians is a book telling about how God has chosen us to display His mercy and the riches of His kindness and glory through us, the church, for all eternity. To display it to the powers above. It's good news. And the more you know, the more you can believe it. And then it changes everything. I was going to tell you a little bit more about heaven, but I'm not going to. I'm going to move on. You know, many people don't get that excited about heaven. And the reason they don't get excited about heaven is because they think that heaven is going to be this place where there's angels floating on clouds, playing harps, you know, another day. They think it's going to be boring and tiresome and, you know, and there's all these jokes about, now I'd rather go to be in hell with my friends, you know, we're all having a good time, you know. Such lies, such a wrong perspective. Heaven is going to be a world filled with God and with His glory and His presence. It's going to be filled with perfect people in perfect relationships, in perfect worship, day after day. Heaven is not going to be a place in the sky. We're going to live on the earth. Did you know that? 
Hello? There's going to be a new earth that we will live on. And we're going to be doing work. Do you know that? I can see a couple of people saying, what? (laughs) It's going to be awesome and challenging and fun. And there's going to be adventures to go on. And things to accomplish and overcome. And there's going to be stewardship. And it's going to be beautiful and exciting and full. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Hebrews chapter 11. And then we're going to move on. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had not longed for the country that they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, because he's prepared a city for them. Okay, so we need to think about God. We need to to think about the future that he's promised. We need to think about heaven. We need to think about all that he's decreed. We need to think about these things. But my, my question is, and I said to you, I want to teach you about how to practically walk in the Holy Spirit, right? And so where do we get our thinking? Has anybody ever gone to see a movie recently? Anyone? Anyone seen a kid's movie? These cartoons, animations? Anyone? Generally, is there a message coming through? Conroy, is there a message coming through? What are the messages generally coming through? I can't hear. Good versus evil. Yeah, what else? What are the messages are coming through? Okay, I can't hear anything. Remember, I'm older today, eh? Tolerance. Yeah, I tolerate, yeah. You're in control of your own destiny. What about if you're a child in the sea and your dad is trying to protect you by keeping you in the coral? Where should you swim to? Wherever you want. Anyone seen Finding Nemo? Yes? If the child follows their own desires and goes against what the parents say, in the end, they will save the whole family. Do you think our children are being taught something? So the question is, the world is teaching us something. Is telling us to look at something. Is telling us to think something. Constantly. Constantly. Where do we get the knowledge of God and what he's like and what he's decreed and what he's promised? Where do we get it? Where do we get it? In, in the word. In the word of God. Okay. So let's look at that. Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and he sells all he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. And in Matthew chapter 13 verse 51, again, Jesus says, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I want to read you some scripture, and I want you to guess where it is. Please don't put up the next one yet, okay? I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Anybody who knows where it is, just shout out at any time, okay? This is from the Bible. I'm going there. People know where to mine silver and how to refine gold. 
They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from rock. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the furthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. You're right. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the furthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. They sink a mine into a shaft into the earth far from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes swinging back and forth. Food is grown on the earth above, but down below the earth is melted as by fire. Here the rocks contain precious lapis lazuli. I have no idea what that is. And the dust contains gold. Anyone know what lapis lazuli is? It's like a blue gemstone. Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Julie. You are like a beautiful gemstone, Julie. So many beautiful parts of God shine through you, Julie. It's true. I really feel the Holy Spirit telling me now to remind you that you are His beautiful gemstone, Julie. And that he's chosen to shine his beauty and display his beauty through you. And the dust contains gold. There are treasures no bird of prey can see. No falcon's eye can observe. No wild animal has walked upon these treasures. No lion has ever set his paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up the trickling streams and bring to light the hidden treasures. Do you think he's going into detail about mining here? Okay. But do people know where to find wisdom? And where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it. For it's not found among the living. It's not here, says the ocean. Nor is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It's worth more than all the gold of Ophir. Greater than the precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Wasn't that an amazing name? I'm not going to be surprised if there's a baby born. Hey, what's his name? Lapis. What's his middle name? Lazuli. (laughs) Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and jasper are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above rubies. Precious peridot from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. It's worth more than the purest gold. So he's saying people know how to mine. They go to great extents to dig into the earth and tunnel and they put ropes down and they swing and they tear apart the rock. But do they know how to find wisdom? Because wisdom is more valuable than any of these things that they mine. Are you, are you with him so far? Let's continue. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds in the sky cannot discover it. Destruction and death say, we've only heard rumors of where wisdom can be found. Last paragraph. Are you still with me? Is it okay if we read the scripture? God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. He decided how hard the winds should blow and how much rain should fall. He made the laws for the rain and laid out a path for the lightning. Then he saw wisdom and he evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And this 
is what he says to all humanity. All of that for this sentence. Are you ready? God is the only one who knows where wisdom is. And this is what he says. Are you ready? It's one sentence at the end of that whole thing. The whole thing was made for this one sentence. You can go read it for yourself. I'm kidding. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. What's the point? What is the point? How did my, my notes just went to a completely different note? Isn't that wonderful? What is the point of that whole chapter? You know, I'm busy teaching my children because the Lord spoke to me in January when I went away and he said, Lucas, you need to be teaching your children. And so as part of their schooling, I'm teaching them and I'm teaching them about business. And as we are talking and learning, one of the things that becomes evident is that in order to grow a business that is successful, in order to create wealth, there is one ingredient that is the most important. Any ideas? How to grow a business, how to create wealth. What is the most important ingredient? Trust. No. Good, 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 good effort. But wrong. Sewing. No. Hard work. No. Formula. No. Wisdom. <laughs> Wisdom. Let me ask you a question. Who is a rich person that you're aware of? Somebody who's grown businesses successfully. I oh, know it. I'm not. I'm somebody very good at it. Elon Musk. Does Elon Musk know how to grow businesses? Yes, he does. Branson, Richard Branson. Okay. Good. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's take Elon. Let's say we take everything that he owns away from him. Elon, we take away all his companies, his houses, his shares, his money, no cash, nothing. We just leave him with the clothes on his back. How long do you think it's going to be before he's a millionaire again? You say three years? I say 30 seconds. You know why? I'll give him a million. I'll give him a million to help me. Any business person will employ him. I'm telling you, he could get a salary of 100 million rand a year. A salary like that. No problem. The thing is, he wouldn't accept it because he'll build himself a billion very quickly. He, he, will, he, he will get investors at the drop of a hat. He'll just say, I'm looking for investors, and he'll get them. He doesn't even need to say what it is. Why? Because he's got the knowledge. He knows what to do. He knows how. He's got business understanding. And this is what Job is trying to tell us, that gold and silver... In the building of your life, in the building of your business, in the building of your marriage, in the building of a life in light of an eternity that is coming is worthless compared to wisdom. You can't buy a better eternity. You can't buy a successful life in the eyes of God. Only wisdom can give you that. The making of right decisions and choices can give you that. And the only way to find that is to mine for it yourself. Are you with me? God is calling us to be miners, to search for wisdom. The book of Proverbs is full of that. 
It says, wisdom is crying aloud in the streets. It says, find wisdom, find knowledge, gain understanding above all things. Learn. Why? Because you will fill your mind with wisdom. You will get to know God. You will get to know the principles of God. And you will be able to build your life on something that will never let you down. You will not get to the end of your life and say, is that all it is? Amen? Okay. I'm going to stop before faith and we're going to have some time with the Lord and worship Him. And next time when I preach, whenever that is, we'll start to talk about faith. We'll move from knowledge to faith. Let me finish with this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't be like this world. Don't be like everybody else around you. Don't. But be transformed by renewing your mind. Be changed. Be different because of thinking a different way. How can you be changed? By renewing your mind. You cannot change just by renewing your willpower. Willpower will not take you there. How can I stop sinning? How can I change my life, my actions? The Bible says start with your mind. Start with what you think. Start with what you look at. Start with what you meditate on every day. Start with the things that you think about. Psalm chapter 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Young people and not so young people, Start with thinking, meditating, filling your mind with the Word of God. That means read it, listen to it, sing it, study it, memorize it, let it fill your mind. How many hours a day does it take to do that? It start with half an hour, start with five minutes, end with eight hours a day. It won't be enough. It won't be enough. I took my uh, children to a restaurant called Kawaii. Do you know Kawaii? They make something called a uh, peanut butter berry. What was it? It's not the bomb. It's a berry bliss. Peanut butter berry bliss. Okay. We started with one. Oh, my goodness. The taste of that sip. It was like mixed berry peanut butter bliss. On the lips, in the mouth, cold. It was, it was beautiful. My first one was finished before they had had two sips. I said, who wants another one? They looked at me like, what? I went and got another one. The second one was finished before they were halfway. I went and got a third. They were smalls, they weren't largest. I wish they were largest, and then I didn't eat, drink the third one because I, I thought I'll take it home for my wife. <clears throat> How, why am I telling you that? <laughs> I was moving on, and they're like, why is he telling us about Kawhi? Because it, it's never enough. It's so good, it's never enough. 
Psalm 119. It says, how can a young man stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. God's word is our source of hope. Knowledge is the starting point. Knowledge of God. You know, I'm going to boast for a second. My son, George, I'm amazed at him. Do you know, ever since a little boy, we bought him a picture Bible. And and Annie used to sit and read to him every night, every morning from that picture Bible. And they read the whole picture Bible. And then... They read another Bible, also with pictures, but a little bit more detail of the stories, all the way through from the beginning to the end. And then he got his own Bible. I don't know what it is. What is it? New King James Kiddies Bible. And he read it from the beginning. He's now in the book of Romans. And you know, that little boy, 11 years, 12 now, he turned 12, 12 years old. The number of times that he comes to me and he says, hey dad, I was reading in the Bible and God says this. I feel like I should. We have, a, we have a, a PS4 computer game console thing. I don't know what it's called at home. And the kids play games. And George has chosen not to play certain games that I think are fine. Because he doesn't feel that the Lord would be pleased with him if he plays them. He's 12. Where is that young man getting his wisdom from? Day by day by day by day by day, by season, by season, by summer, by winter, but in the Word. And I'm telling you, often I look at him and I think, yes, this boy has got more wisdom than I have. You don't have to be big, strong. You can fill your mind with the knowledge and the wisdom of God. And let me tell you, it doesn't come by just reading a daily devotion written by someone else. Those are all good and fine, but they are not the same as getting into the earth and start digging for yourself. And when you can't dig anymore because it's too deep, then get a rope and tie it around yourself and get a little lantern and go down and start to beat the rock that you can't see until you find some lapis lazuli. Are you with me? Let's start with the knowledge of God because as we fill our minds with the knowledge of God, we will begin to believe it. And that belief will make us feel a certain way that will make us act a certain way. And it will be glory for all eternity as a result. Amen.